like us this morning together build the case of doing good for God's glory. Before we get into the scriptures and begin to discuss this matter, let's take a moment from where you are, say to the Lord, speak with me, show me something, because it is in his presence where we stand, where we sit this hour. Father, we bless you, we honor you, we come to you. With everything that you have given us, we come to you. And like we sang earlier, we pray for more. We need more of you, more of your grace, more, Lord, of, uh, of your presence. Unless you go with us, unless you do it among us, unless we see your hand resting upon us. Unless we hear your voice and hearken to what you say, it is not really happening. So speak to us, Lord. This morning, like you've done always, and you've built us to the place where we are. It is for your glory. It is unto you that we sit to discuss together. So help us, dear Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible... Let's turn to those scriptures there, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and a part of verse 10. Galatians chapter 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, and 10a, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. We leave it there. The other part is what we do all the time, especially unto, unto them who are of the household of faith. We are loving each other all the time. We are always greeting, we are phoning each other. But there is much more than that. We are focusing on the harvest. So, as we have opportunity, let's do what? Reach out to all men, all people. As we have opportunity, let us reach out to all people. If you like, I'll, let me put it to you that the nature of God is goodness. What comes out of him is good all the time. And that's why we say God is good and all the time. That's God's nature. So the nature of God is goodness. And when we go out and do good, 
to all people as we have opportunity, like we've seen here, the testimony from my evangelism and, uh, and follow-up, having had that opportunity to go out to Changa and do good on our behalf, go out and do good. The, the one part that you shared with me, where, I don't know, maybe because of time you didn't go there, is, uh, is, is a place where when the team left Changa and they are on their way coming back, it was a go come. The pastor called them <laughs> and said, hey, you know what? You have left problems here. You have left not just problems, big problems. I don't like, what? We thought we just delivered goods. We just given you something nice and you were, were celebrating together. And what is this problem again? And the pastor said, after you left, as the beneficiaries carried their mechanized home, the people, when they saw that, they got up and ran to church. Because you, North Mid, had done a love deed, and you, you reached out to, remember, the, uh, verse 10b, Galatians 6, 9 and 10, now 10b, which is talking about, especially to the household of faith, so we reached out to our own. We did that? Yes. And after they received, <laughs> we reached out, to especially those who belong to the family of believers. We did that. But after we did that, as they were taking their goodies and their joy and their dancing, oh, the people saw the other, the, the old people. When the old people saw that, when the old people saw, yes, go ahead, give it, give it up for God, give it up to Jesus, because it works like that. It works like that. So they ran to the house of God, not a few people, many people. They filled the place, and they said to the pastor, we are all so hungry. Give us what we have seen our friends taking, carrying and taking home. A case of doing good for the glory of God. So the pastor explained, and they explained, they were, they, 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 were, they were not ready to just receive just words. They wanted, not intangible, they wanted tangible stuff. Finally, he preached to them, and he, he said in a phone call that this coming Sunday, this house will be small. So as we speak today, this Sunday, in Changa, lives of the people, of the people in the neighborhood have been revived because Northmead, you picked out an act of love you picked out a, a deed of goodness. We expressed 
we became the express image of God's nature, goodness. Hallelujah, somebody. That's what we're talking about. That's the case we are endeavoring to build this morning. So Psalm 145, he said, the Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. That's Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all, not only to the household, not only to believers. God is good to all. This, 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 this. The rains that we, we just experienced, did it just fall on selected homes? No. It fell on everyone. Because God is good. Because God's nature is good. Under his goodness goes and touches all lives. That's what we're building this morning. And God's vehicle today of expressing his nature of goodness is his people, the church, you and me. We must be there to pick up. So this harvest retention is an avenue, or if you like, a defined, um, a defined state of expressing God's goodness. It's a, a rallying point as North Medians. It's not the only doing good that we be doing this year, as we will hear. It is one of those points, one of those areas that needs the input of goodness, God's goodness, through God's people who elect to be used by God. So the Lord is good. The Lord is good to all. And how will all, especially those that have not experienced God's goodness, know that God is good to all? It will take us. The, 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 the sons and daughters in the house to pick a trip and drive out to Changa, drive out to Shangombo, drive out to Namibia, somewhere, Winduk, drive out to Mombasa, drive out or fly, better fly, and go and take and express God's goodness. So harvest preservation is doing good. Like I've said, harvest preservation is doing good. And we must do, we must do good. So everything that we need to do to retain harvest, like Bishop was you know, explaining and he's, he's still explaining and helping us understand how we will do this. 
is it's, it's worthy assimilating and making it a part of, our, of us together as family and individually wherever we are placed in the marketplace, wherever we are doing, wherever we are posted as the apostles of God, pastors in the different places, we need to, to get out and do that good because harvest preservation is actually doing good. It's a way of expressing God's nature to all the people. We don't want you to uh, maybe hang away or uh, be in doubt. And uh, maybe this feel like you are the only one that is there. Or what is going on? I would like to say to you, we must be sure that we will not be the first to be on this path of harvest retention or doing good, expanding our life to help another. Because scripture, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, here's what he said. Because I was confident of this, all, all this is for your benefit. Now, Paul, see where we've started? All of this is for your benefit. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about his ministry and all the things that have been done to help the church stand strong, be everything that God wanted him to be. And so he's saying, and all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Let's repeat that. All this is for your benefit. What we are doing, Corinthians, what we are doing, North Medians, what is being done by the church leaders? What's being done in the life groups? What's being done in the Bible study? What's being done in the prayer meeting? It is uh, for uh, our benefit. Because prayer helps me. It doesn't help God. It helps me. Connect with the Lord. Helps me. Tap in and hear what God is saying. Bible study helps me. It doesn't help God. God doesn't have to study anything. He created all things. Everything comes out of him and is anchored in him. So Bible studies helps me. So if I want to be everything that I need to be and I love God, then I want to get in and take every opportunity availed to me to get in, to press in, to know him better. So Paul is saying, all these things that we do, all these things that we bring to you, all these meetings we call, all these arrangements that are there, is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, you know how is that is working? When we have prayed and God say, separate to me, such and such for the work that I have prepared for them to go and do, and you call them up front and you pray and you lay your hand and send them like we sent the team to Changa. We are praying outside there. 
some of the things that happened in Changa, we prayed there. And before that prayer meeting, there were other prayers that were, were, were done. So these things that we, that's how this grace then flows. The grace that is reaching. So the, the grace, the grace flows. The grace, because people are in the word. So the grace of God is flowing. Because people have, they are filled of something. Fill me to overflow. Fill me, Lord, that I may run. You can't run on nothing. You need to be filled. Cars need to be filled with fuel to run. You can put your key in there. If there's no fuel, it's not going to run. New, new, new with its papers and plastics and everything. If there's no fuel, it's not going to run. It's not taking you anywhere. Hallelujah. And that's what we are saying. That's what Paul is saying. This is all for your benefit. You need to be filled. We need to tap in. We need to reach God in prayer. We need to reach God in Bible. Do I need to repeat that? We know that, right? And when that is done, there is an overflow to reach more people. And as they are being reached, there is a thanksgiving. There is a thanksgiving. You saw Changa? Because the grace, not me, you, you caused the grace of God to flow that way. <laughs> we, we caused the grace of God to flow that way. Today, Changa Church is filled there, new faces there. Because you took an offering, you went to the shops and bought those things, and someone gave their transport, and we made it to Changa and back. Today, the house in Changa is full, and there are new faces. Oh, give God glory. Come on, give it to God. Give it to God. And, uh, and God looks down on the new faces today. And you know what is happening in heaven? There is joy. Because someone has repented. There is joy. Because someone has come to know the Lord. And oh, it's because someone, a North Mid, stretched out and shared the substance and shared in the grace of God. And there's an overflow of thanksgiving and all that. God receives all that. God receives all that. God receives glory. What is our purpose? Why did God create, create us? Why did God create us? He created us for himself, for his glory. That when he has made you, everything that he wants you to be, then God is glorified. He looks down and says, ah, there, there. See, you see, you see that? That is, that's a me, that's a part of me. You see that grace flowing there? You see that... The, Grace flowing there, a grace of giving, grace of encouraging, a grace of exhortation, grace of you know, praying, special prayers, and grace of working a miracle. And God is, you see all that grace because someone, why is God saying that? Because someone has, has obeyed, because someone has said, Lord, if you can use anything, use me. I, am a, I make myself available, I am available to you. Choir. Friend, we're building a case for 
doing good for God's glory. If we slow down on doing good, the flow, you don't want God to have to be looking to find where something is happening for him to pick up glory. It must be evident. It must be, he knows, ah, he knows if he looks to North Mid, he's going to get it. It must be evident. It must be there without doubt. It must be always there, always there. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Friends, through Christ who strengthens us. Ah, so let's, let's look. We were like, so Pastor, where is all this coming from? We're building a case. Let's, let's go to the Genesis and see this whole issue of doing good. It's a very, very light. It's very, very uh, special exhortation we bring this morning. But let's, let's pick it up. Let's go back. The root of doing good for the glory of God is from the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Verse 8. And verse 8. We read to verses 8 and 15. Here is verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. <laughs> Look at that. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. Mom, you want to come and tell Bishop that actually God planted a garden it was in the east side? <laughs> He'll be glad. <laughs> I'm sure. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Let's read that again one more time. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. So Eden was a place in the east of the place that God had marked out for himself. For the issues of dealing and making Adam do something. And there he put the man he formed. God Put the man who formed in the garden. The garden that was planted by who? By who? Yes, God planted a garden. <laughs> did, you, did you think about that? God planted a garden and put the man he had formed in that garden in the east, in the eastern end of Eden. Let's read verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him where? In the garden of Eden. To do what? To work it and take care of it. To work it and take care of it. Work it, take care of it. Two things. Work it. Meaning that after God had done his garden, after God had put all the things that you put in the garden, the trees, big trees, small trees, grasses, 
nice flowers, insects and birds, small and big birds and worms, spiders and scorpions and 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 and, and millipedes and centipedes. Oh, Yesterday I was going to the back of the house. I was doing something, and I and I found this millipede coiled in a pool of water. And I'm like, "Oh, poor millipede, you you drowned." Poor millipede, you drowned. And as I was working, and I saw so so I was just I was busy working, going to working, and then then I looked again. No. Millipede was saying back to me, I've not, I've not drowned. I'm just enjoying a swim here. He was alive. So I picked a stick. I'm like, okay, you've had enough bathing there. How about enjoying a little sunshine before it starts to rain again? So God put all these things together and then picked the man and planted him, put him in, the, in God's garden to tend it. Everybody say, tend it. And to guard it. Everybody say, guard it. So what's to tend? It's to take care. What's to tend? It's to make sure the flowers are, are growing in the right direction. It's to make sure every plant that needs to receive sunshine must be in a place where they can receive some, 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 some plants need to receive sunshine from, for many hours. Others, just one hour is good enough and they are okay and they are growing. So the man, someone, someone the, the manager or the farm manager or the gardener, or whatever you call them. You know, they have other names, right? Must be present at the instruction and instructed and carrying out the instructions from the master, from the Lord. From you, the master. So they're working in the garden. And the Lord God planted. So he planted the garden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And that whole thing is repeated in verse 15. And verse 15 gives us an additional part, the reason. So, you, so what do you make out of that? Right there, in these two verses, you already pick up what it is that God formed man. You already pick up the destiny or mandate placed upon man. And that is to tend and guard God's garden. God has a responsibility of planting the garden and he places man whom he created to look after it, to tend it. I would like to put it to us this morning. That while we look at that garden, we can transpose. We can talk about, there are many gardens that God has planted. Many gardens. Let me take you to another garden that God planted and gave instructions. In Numbers 18, we see God talking to the priests, giving them 
tasking them to do something. Let's go in there. The Lord said to Aaron, you, your sons, and your father's family, that's an entire family, right? Your father's family are to bear the responsibility for offenses against the sanctuary. Uh, to bear the responsibility for offenses against the sanctuary. Offenses against the sanctuary. Talk about offenses against the sanctuary. If this is not the forum, maybe this is not the time to do that. And you and your sons alone are to bear the responsibility for offenses against the priesthood. So there are offenses against the sanctuary. You can have offended against the sanctuary. Because a sanctuary, we're not talking about these walls. We're talking about people that make up the sanctuary. That's the sanctuary. So the family, Aaron's family, sons and fathers, and the entire family, your responsibility is this. And you and your sons alone, leave out your fathers, leave out the uncles, leave out everyone else in the family, but you, just you and your sons will have responsibility for offenses against the priesthood. Let's go to the next one. Bring your fellow Levites from your ancestral tribe to join you and assist you when you and your sons minister before the tent of the testimony. Let's go. They are to be responsible to you and are to perform all the duties of the tent, but they must not go near the furnishings of the sanctuary or the altar, or both they and you will die. Let's go. They are to join you and be responsible for the care of the tent of meeting. There we find it again. The care of the tent of what? Of meeting. The care. Tend. There is a, another garden. What's the garden? The place of meeting. It's another garden. It's another garden. All the work at the tent and no one else may come near where you are. Because you are responsible for this. So you do that. You don't pass your responsibility to another person. It's, it's your responsibility. No, we have a responsibility to keep, to retain the harvest. It's our responsibility that God is watching and God lovingly is instructing us to pick up our responsibility and honor God and bring glory to him by delivering on that responsibility. Let's go to the next one. You are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary and the altar so that wrath will not fall on the Israelites again. Mm, there's something about that. So that wrath, you do not fall again on the people. People that are, will, will not receive God's grace are be saved. People that will not hear the word of God and decide to receive Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, the wrath of God will fall. But there's someone tasked with the responsibility to make sure 
harvests returned to make sure a good deed is done to abate wrath falling again. It's fallen before. It's fallen before. You can go through generations. It's fallen before. You can go ask, take a tour and talk to Noah. He will tell you that oh, it was rough. It was rough, my brother. Yeah, my brother. It was rough. Hey, should have been there. We thought that God was joking. But it started to rain. And it rained. And it rained. And ah, it rained, man. Yes. Words are not enough to describe what was going on. We are in a place where we become the express image of God's goodness flowing out to communities. Let's go to the next one. I myself have selected your fellow Levites, you know, priests, your fellow Levites, from among the Israelites as a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord to do the work at the tent of meeting, to do the work at the tent of meeting, to do the work. Yes, the last verse. But only you and your sons may save as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. Anyone else who comes near the sanctuary must be put to death. That's what, that's what the Old Testament, uh, that's how it happened in the Old Testament. What's the point? Gardens. Garden, God planted in earth and put a man to be responsible for tending it and guarding it. And God has planted again, here is a picture of God has planted and has given the priest the task to save in the, in the tabernacle and guarded that there may never again be wrath among the people. God is working. God is giving responsibility. We are building a case from the very beginning. Now, this is from the very, very beginning. It's as it is in God's plan, God's will of working to give out the responsibilities, jurisdictions, and marked out geographical areas, if you like, where you exercise the responsibility. And we all have those places. We all have, let's talk about them, the places, the places that God has given to, to us. There are many gardens that God has planted here. This is a, this is, this is a garden. Your family is a garden to save your family, to guide your family, to lead them, to make sure God's goodness is flowing. Sometimes we overdo it. <laughs> we spoil the children. And we don't want them to go through some things that we went through when we were growing up, even the good things. Well, 
The point is, God has given gardens, many gardens God has planted. The tabernacle, God, God's garden. We need to tend it, take care of it. There are many gardens. Your place of work is a garden. You need to, to tend it and guard it. It's your responsibility because you belong there and you are a priest. Are we not a royal priesthood? Chosen by God. Each one of us appointed priests. We are not, we are not taken, we're going to say, this, this whole group here, you are priests. Uh -uh. That's not how it was then. You and your family. God went to picked families for specific responsibilities. That's exactly what we see later on in Nehemiah, building back the walls. Families being responsible for particular assignments. God has taken this whole family, North Mid, this year to focus on that, to retain. And when that job is done well, believe me, when we do a good job, when we deliver, like God would want us and have us deliver on that, this whole city and the cities in this nation, and the nations outside of this country will hear about it because there is not one good thing that God has done that remains in the house. It always finds a way of getting out. And people begin to celebrate and say, where is this thing coming from? So your family is your garden. Your community is our garden. Nations as a garden. And it's God that has planted those gardens. They're already planted. Let's stretch it further. It's not just your work at the place of work. Politics, it's a garden. It's an arena of human activity and governance and everything. And some of you sitting here, God has called you to, get in, to participate in politics. Who said, and we are unfortunately and sad to say that to a larger extent, People in many nations on this earth have believed a lie that politics is a dead game. You still want to believe that? In, in, this, in, in this dispensation? In today's uh, time? You still want to believe politics are dirty? Okay, maybe let's talk a little bit about that. So what makes them dirty if they are dirty at all? Okay, let's assume they are dirty. So what makes them dirty? Because if, if, if my jacket is dirty, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, the jacket is dirty. Oh, you used it on Sunday. You forget, you used it on Sunday. You were sweating. It's dirty. Because there's something that makes something dirty, right? So if politics are dirty, then what makes them dirty? May I have a response? It's story time. Yes, ma'am. Corruption makes them dirty. Yup. What else? So for me, it's, it's the people in there who make it dirty. Yeah, the, people in there. the people in there make it dirty because the people in there carry dirt. Those that make it dirty, that means they carry dirt. A fly is not necessarily dirty, but the fly will put dirt on your food because it's coming from a dirty place. So it is carrying dirt. 
So when it sits on another, a mosquito is not necessarily malaria-like. It carries, just carries it. When it comes, it bites here, malaria infested. Oh, let's bring it home. Coronavirus infested. And the, who wants that to land on them? No one. So why, how, do, how shall we then cleanse that dirt, that political dirt, if it's the people that makes it dirt? How shall we cleanse that? Someone wants to respond to that? How does that get cleansed? <laughs> put, put, put clean people. There's, we demand for demand for cleanliness. Put clean people, demand for cleanliness. The, the transparency. There are two things. You can decide to, to send, uh, I only know one cleaning company that's coming to my mind, Chabmo. You can decide to hire Chabmo and send Chabmo into the politics and clean the dirt. A bill on you. But after you clean, because the nature of those that are being cleaned is dirt. What will happen? For a season, it will be nice you jubilate. <laughs> and then, dirt again. Dirt again because the abundance of the heart is bringing out stuff. So, well, the cleaning company will be happy. You know why? Because you're going to go again. Please give us another invoice. All you can say is change it. Let's substitute. Right? When one player... It's not really performing up to the, to the thing. You can pull them on the line and give them, a, the coach can give them a paper to, you know, you need to be, to be more on the outside. You are a winger, you are a winger, more on the outside. Don't play like, don't play like you are a midfielder. More on the, so that when the ball comes, you can swing it in. Oh yeah, okay, coach, okay, coach. Two minutes they play out, out, out. But because their science, their configuration is playing like a midfielder, they are banking in the number eight position. So there are two people there now jostling. And the other side is not happening. You're going to lose the game. So what's, what does the coach do? Does he give another pep talk? Uh uh. Hey, begin to trot up. Oh. <laughs> begin to trot up. Because we are we're doing a sub here. So sub. All that to say, and I, and I deliberately did that, because it is time that sons and daughters, and Bishop has said this before, sons and daughters, if God is calling you 
to do uh, politics. It's a doing good. Nations need to be governed. And one of the methods and strategies of God to govern nations is to put people to, to, to run the politics of nations. When the righteous rule. Is there a scripture like that? When the righteous rule. So let's get the righteous. Where are the righteous? This is the righteous here, right here, right here. You are the righteous. What do you do? Get up. Don't, don't, don't play a secret girl. No, 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 no. Put body 90 minutes out there, whether it's raining or not, you are in the pit. The spectators are, hey, they are, they are in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the terraces covered. But you must play there. It's going to be hard. The rains will come, but the game must go on. You can't abandon midway. So let's do good. Don't give up. That's what, that's what, that's what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 6. Let's not grow weary. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. Do this thing. Make sure you are there. Do it. Finish, run it to the end. So if God has spoken to you about politics, go, go and don't wait. 2021 is next year. And, and, you are, and maybe God has spoken to you and, you and you're like, okay, I'm going to wait for 2021. And then 2021, you show up somewhere and you, you want to be adopted. Ah. They may not adopt you because you've shown up in the 11th hour. Adoption in the 11th hour hardly works. You start now. You start now. You go in and begin in the place where you think you want to, 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 to do. The garden, your garden, the word, your garden, the constituency, your garden, that garden where God has placed you and his did Adam refuse to work in the garden? No, he didn't. Why? Because he, he knew God. And every evening, the Lord would come and talk with Adam. And I'm sure the Lord would say, ah, good. You're doing good. Ah, let's see the other plants on the other side. Hmm. Yeah. Ah, this overgrowing. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you have a plan for this? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is a... Uh, um, uh, in two days time, I'll be working right here. Oh, great, great. Oh, yeah. This plan we're talking about is the other, the other time. Is, and they are talking with the master, the owner of the garden. He's receiving instruction on how to run. God will talk to us all the time. Bishop has stood here countless times, many times. And sometimes we, sometimes we, we get so used. And it is business as usual. It's never business as usual. And I don't think that the evenings that God spoke with Adam in the garden were just business as usual. There was always something special that touched Adam and made him better every day. To save God, to deliver on the mandate that he had, the responsibility that he had. So we need to take heed, friends. We need to take, to take heed. Just as Adam communed with God in the garden of Eden, so did the priests in the tabernacle. So sh shall we... So we also, in our given environments, to be able to listen and hear 
the Lord speaking to us about the politics, the Lord speaking to us about the businesses we are running, God speaking to us about the farm. I don't know if there's a farmer here who missed it. You didn't, you, you heard other people saying, it's going to be drought, it's going to be drought, it's going to be, you know, not enough rain. And you, like, and you went with that and you didn't consult God. Because God was saying, it's going to rain. It's going to rain because God says in these scriptures, I am the one that dips in the sea and pulls the water and scatters it on the lands. That's in the Bible. Go look for it. And God did exactly that. So let's pay attention to the Lord. Let's walk with him. Let's hear him. Let's, let's, let's hear what he say. So our field is the world to carry his presence wherever he sends us. Yeah. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. There it is again, Mark 16, verse 15. Preach the gospel to the whole creation, to all of them. Preach, preach. What's preach? Preach, yes, it's preaching like I'm doing. Preaching, yes, preaching like you stand up somewhere in the corner and you're preaching, but also preaching. There's a, there's a place we were. And after we had started and we we're going out to, to, to plant churches, they're saying, go plant churches. Go preach to the people. If you need to use the Bible like the book, use it. Meaning, go live. Go uh, be the one that represent God. Go there. The world is made up of different, the world is made up of different peoples and are of different persuasions and orientations. But the word stands out. Go, save, and God. We are all his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Mark, Mark 16. Something is mixed up there. Which, uh, which God prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. Uh, it's a different scripture there. Created in Christ Jesus. God created... It's not Mark 16. God created Adam and placed him in the garden. God appointed the priests and placed them to take care of the issues on the tabernacle. And how about us? We have been created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which good works, which God prepared, planted, is another garden, beforehand, like God planted the garden in Jordan, and beforehand, and then he took Adam there. God has created us in Christ Jesus, and is for good works, which he planted long before we came to, to it. So, how do we close? Let's come back to our scripture. Let us not grow weary of doing good. 
even in the face of challenging circumstances. They will be, will meet with the many situations. The ungrateful, un, ungratefulness of people. Some people, you look at them, you think they are unworthy. Even if they look like they are unworthy, go for it. Deliver God's goodness. Reaping is for the due season. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, okay, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. God has created us for that. Uh, please catch up with me. Reaping is set for the due season. There's a due season when you sow goodness. Sometimes we expect it to, you, want, you, are, you are sowing with this hand and you want it to harvest with the other. <laughs> There's always a gap between seed time and harvest. Some things that you plant today, you may not be the one to reap. Maybe your children will reap. If you begin to plant trees today, you won't have fruit tomorrow. But will fruit come? Yes, it's going to come. Wait for it. Don't grow impatient in waiting. Joyfully and expectantly wait for the due season. For in due season, we will, we will reap if we do not give up, if we do not faint. So do not faint. Continue to the end. Run all the way. Continue to the end. Don't, don't do harvest retention a few times. Mm -mm. All the way. All the way. All the way. So continue sowing seed. Don't sow two seeds and then begin to wait. Mm -mm. It must be a continuous process. Continue sowing and when reaping begins, you'll be reaping and you'll also be sowing. Ah, that's what God has called us to. That's what God has called us to. So two things to wrap up everything that we've talked about. One, we shall continually need grace. And grace is that place where God takes the man he formed and places him in the, in the garden. Allow God. Let's allow God who has called us and formed us to place us. He's placed us here. We are right here. He's placed us. This is where he's placed us. And where he places you, where he has placed you, be sure you have grace. Where he places, where God calls and places, he grants grace in order to deliver on our responsibility. So allow God. If we do it, 
just in our strength, just get up and begin to dig somewhere. You are going to get tired and going to give up. But you need to be in the place where the master comes every, every day in the cool of the day and talks with you, talks with me, talks with us and shows us what we are doing and commends us and affirms us in the things that we're doing. And when you are commended and you are affirmed, what you do, you, what, what happens to you? You get more encouraged, you are strengthened, you're built in the inside. That's the grace of God flowing. But there's a second piece to that. And with grace, there's the issue of our volition. Now, volition is simply an act of using one's will to make a conscious decision. With grace, grace abundantly poured out, but grace does not over, override our will. Grace is there, poured out. Grace is there. To say to evangelism and follow up, the next time we are going, I'm coming with you. And I'm bringing my vehicle with me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to, to get these things and put them there. The, the grace to do all those things is there. It's there. It's there. The grace to go out to your neighbor and reach them and talk to them and, 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 and show them and get them a packet of salt and give it to them. I was, just, I was thinking about you and I thought I could come and just chat with you. And here you are. Actually, I had some things running. I thought I could just come quickly and say hello. Uh, if you can do anything with this, hear you. The grace is there to do all that. The grace is there to do that. The grace is there to wake up early in the morning and seek God and say, what is the instruction, Lord, for today? The grace is there. The grace is there to get up and say to your supervisor today, would you allow me on Wednesdays, I'll work double time, I'll work through lunch so that I can go an hour out to church to do Bible study and I will be back when I am done if I need to get back. The grace is there. The grace is there. And when you ask for that because of God's grace, it's going to be like that and you can do that. But you know what? Grace, just grace standing like that. Mm -mm. There is the volition part. Exercising my will to make a conscious decision. 